Good morning. Oh, come on. There's more people than 8 o'clock in here. Good morning. There we go. For those that don't know me, my name's Lee. I'm the youth pastor here at Cherry Hills this morning. So before we get going here, just want to make you aware of a few things. This morning is what we call our Bible Challenge Morning, where together we look to the new year, 2016, which is crazy. It's a few days away. And we look together to go, hey, it's probably a good thing to be in our Bible once in a while. So how do we do that? And when do we do that? And all that good stuff. But another thing I want to make you aware of is I was teasing the staff this morning. I've gone rogue. And what I mean by that is that your notes are no longer in the order that they're supposed to be in. So uh, if you want to take your notes out, I'll help you understand where I'm going with this. Your back of your notes are actually now your front of your notes, and your front of your notes are actually now your back of your notes. Hopefully that makes sense. And then on there you'll see there's two words, posture and presence, now on the front of your notes. And, uh, and uh, what we'll do, I'll explain more of that later, but there is room because I didn't have a whole lot of statements, but a heck of a lot of questions. And so sometimes I wanna give room for people to be able to write stuff out if they need to when we get to that section and say that together. So that's some things to give you a warning. So you're not like, where is this dude at right now? Even though I'm on stage and you know where I'm at. Um, Man, none of you laughed at that, come on. (laughs) Anyways, let's pray as we get started. God, we just thank you for today and this time together. And we just pray as we Look at your word, and as we talk together and learn together and look to the future together, God, that you'll lead us and guide us as you always do. In your name, amen. Today we're going to look at Psalm 62, so if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles there. There are Bibles down on front too, if you don't have one with you today. Kind of in the middle of your Bible there. There's two big things today that I'm going to go off of, and I'll be honest, all this is going to be really personal today. I've been praying a lot about this Bible challenge and how I'm going to handle it. I got the privilege of teaching it two years ago, and I realized I just need to be personal today. So one of the ways I'm going to be personal is I'm going to tell you 2015 has not been my best year in the Bible. And what I mean by that is I haven't been in it every day. So if if you're looking at me hoping I would say I've been in the Bible every day, that's why I'm up here teaching, then I'm sorry. But there's two things that have happened this year that have affected my time in the Bible. One, I had the privilege of having a son. But I'll tell you, when you have a child, it changes everything, if you didn't know that already. And it threw me off. And so some days I just tried to exist. And so I'll be honest, I didn't get my Bible every day. The other one is, though, is even more personal, is lately, not now, but lately, more recently, I've been struggling with some things of God. And I've realized that there are some things that I've struggled to believe about God that he says in the Bible because of things that have happened in my life. And so when those things happen, sometimes you doubt a little bit and sometimes you struggle a little bit and sometimes you don't get in your Bible because you don't really think you should. And I don't know if you've ever felt like either of those where you're like, man, I just had a kid and I don't even know if I have time. I'm exhausted. I don't have the energy. 
Or if you've ever wondered, like, man, I don't know if I believe all this about God. Should I even be reading this book? And so the cool thing about Psalm 62, though, for me, is, again, it's all personal. Because in 2008, before I came to Cherry Hills, it was the summer of 2008, I worked at a camp up in Minnesota with a bunch of kids and teenagers. And that summer was super hard, if I'm just being honest. And part of the reason it was hard was, one, I was the oldest guy on the staff. Not, now, we'll count not the camp director and my actual boss, but anybody that was on staff with me at overseeing cabins, and then there was a, cab, a guy that was over all the cabin male leaders. Uh, I was the oldest guy. So that, was, that, that made it a challenge a little bit. And then on top of it, I was also the most experienced at the camp in ministry. And what I mean by that is I had done ministry for such a long time compared to a lot of other people. I didn't have a lot of experience, so that makes sense. So that summer, I got the privilege, as I call it, of every week getting all the troubled boys. And I'll tell you, that summer wore me out pretty quick because it was like week after week after week of trouble boys. And I get where they were coming from. I'm grateful they trusted me with them, but it wore me out. Now, what a normal week looked like was kids would come Sunday, they'd leave Friday, we'd clean up the camp Friday afternoon, have all day Saturday off, get, kind of getting ready Sunday morning, and then Sunday the kids come again. Well, there was about a four-week period towards the end of the summer where there was no break. I mean, we literally cleaned the camp, something happened, cleaned the camp, something happened, cleaned the camp, something happened, cleaned the camp, something happened. And, and I was exhausted. And by the end of that time was what we like to call junior high camp, if that makes sense to anybody. And again, I got all the troubled boys. Well, by that first night, it was not fun for me because all the boys were acting up pretty heavily. And I couldn't get them under control. I got no sleep that night because of it. And the next morning, I was about ready to lose it because I was already tired from the summer of camp and I was all tired from all these boys that I was trying to come alongside and help. And I, I just finally went to the camp director and I said, I think I have to quit today. And he goes, what's going on? And I told him. And he goes, you look pretty tired. And I go, yeah, that's kind of an understatement. And I said to him, I said, I don't know if I can keep going on the next few weeks of camp. And he said, well, here's the thing we're gonna do. I want you to go to the beach because we had a lake where we swam. He goes, I want you to go on the beachfront. I want you to sit in a chair. I want you to get your Bible. And I want you to open up to Psalm 62. And I want you to rest, like literally take a nap. And he goes, and I'm gonna take your boys and we're gonna have a come to Jesus talk. And by the time we get back, you're, you're, they're gonna be the best kids you've ever met. And so, so I was like, man, that sounds great, right? So I go off, I take this, and this is what it says. I'm actually gonna only read verse five through eight. Find rest, O my soul and God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Now, if you're thinking about that summer and you're hearing this, you're probably thinking there's a lot there. And there is. There's a lot there. But he comes personal, and here's the interesting thing. Even in my struggles this year, God is still teaching me. 
And so the reason I say all this morning is me completely personal is because I'm actually going to teach you this morning what God's teaching me in this Bible challenge about the importance of being in the Bible every day. So the first note there, right, on the front or back, whatever you want to call it, is this. Taking it one day at a time will help you stay faithful. Taking it one day at a time will help you stay faithful. See, if you're like me, I add things up fast. If I miss a day, I get frustrated. Like all this stuff. And God is just going one day at a time. Just be faithful. And there's a great story about this. If you love baseball at all, or know anything about baseball, there's actually somebody who's a great example for us in this. His name's Cal Ripken Jr. I'm actually going to show a picture of him up here. This is actually his memorable moment. And in a book I read, uh, they actually talk about this. I'm going to share this because there's a lot to learn from his faithfulness. On September 6, 1995, at Camden Yards of Baltimore, the Baltimore Orioles and California Angels played an unforgettable game. The Orioles won it 4-2, but that's not what made the game unforgettable. The sellout crowd in Baltimore and the millions of people who saw the game live on television had an opportunity to witness one of the truly remarkable achievements in the history of sports. I remember this. My dad and I actually watched it. On that night in September 95, Cal Ripken Jr. played his 2,131st consecutive game. Breaking one of the most attainable records in all of baseball history by Lou Gehrig, which was 2,130, which went for a streak of 56 years. The biggest outpouring of emotion came after the fifth inning when the game became official. The crowd did not stop cheering for more than 22 minutes. They weren't cheering for someone who hit the most home runs of all time or had the highest career batting average or had just thrown a perfect game. Ripken was celebrating Wiley for 22 minutes, not for a single athletic achievement, but for rather an achievement of endurance. For 14 straight years, playing in every single game of every single season, Ripken simply showed up and did his job. And on that night, sports fans everywhere recognized this. The fifth inning must have been an amazing scene to witness from the stands. The members of the Orioles' bullpen jogged in from left field, and the crowd's roar became deafening when the huge illuminated numbers hanging on the warehouse behind the right field were flipped to this number. Ripken alternated between sitting in the Orioles' dugout and being shoved out on the field by teammates to take curtain calls, actually eight in all. He walked over the seat behind home plate where his wife and children were seated. He looked up at the box high above the field where his father was watching the game. His dad, this old school baseball man, was crying. But the best was yet to come. When Ripken tried to go back into the dugout, his teammates wouldn't let him in. They pushed him out in the field for a victory lap around the field. With 46,000 fans screaming themselves hoarse, millions at home wiping away the tears. Ripken slowly made his way around the warning track of Camden Yards. He shook hands of fans, police officers, attendants, even the opposing team. It was a thunderous tribute to a man who simply showed up and did his job day after day. We can learn a lot from Ripken and his commitment to small things. You better believe he was tired. In the many games he played during the 14-year stretch, he injured knees, sprained ankles, endured common colds, he experienced prolonged hitting droughts, failure, and discouragements along the way. 
In fact, many suggested that he was hurting the team by keeping going on with this streak. But he never gave up, he never quit. Remember, it's often the small moments that count, so focus faithfully on the small things day in and day out, and over time, change will happen. Small things have a way of adding up and producing great results. And I started thinking about that, and I'm like, you know, realistically, if I had read my Bible day in and day out for 14 years, there's not going to be 45,000 people walking around me, cheering me on and screaming, yeah, you're the most awesome person in the world. Or people watching me on TV, which might be a little awkward. But then God reminded me of something. There's actually more beings cheering you on and clapping for you for being in the Bible. You have the heavenly hosts. You have God himself. You have all those people in heaven we call the faithful cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on bigger than any group that could fit a baseball stadium even for one day of faithfulness let alone 2,000 plus it's hard to remember a lot of days it's hard to remember that God is excited that you got up today and you came here to in a sense be in his word He's super excited. And that's why this challenge is so important to our church. Because to be with God is so important. And he wants to be with us. And so I wrote four liners that we can learn from Cowarkin's story that can impact us. As we think about 2016 and ourselves being in the Bible, hopefully day in and day out. First one, when we do simple things over time, it can make a big impact. We make, when we do simple things over time, it can make a big impact. Next one. Most of the changes in our lives don't come through one huge moment. I try to teach the students this all the time, and the time I've been here, and the youth pastor here, I've tried to teach the students that it's more than one event. Our kids love Fuge, our summer camp. And it is a powerful week if you ever get to go or have ever gone. But it's one week. And my heart is always to encourage our students, if you can stay faithful throughout the day, every day for the year, instead of just waiting for one event, you'll be able to stay faithful the rest of your life. And you know what's cool? We've seen it. Students are staying faithful because they're doing it. But then I had to ask myself this question, what are the things getting in the way of me being in the Bible? Now, I don't know how many in here, some of you, you're like, I've never missed a day in my Bible, and I am proud of you. Way to go. But there's some of us in the room that have probably missed at least one day, if not more. So what is it? What has made us miss that day or those days? Is it a change of life like it happened for me? Wasn't as ready as I thought I was going to be? Is it a moment of struggle with God that you're like, man, I love you, God, but man, I don't know if I fully agree with what you're saying. Is it something else going on? I mean, think about this. 
Psalm 62, do I really believe that I can find rest in God alone? Do I really believe my hope comes from him? Do I really believe he alone is my rock and salvation, that he's my fortress, that if I believe these things, I won't be shaken, that he's my salvation and my honor depend on him, that he's my refuge, my, righty, my, right, uh, my mighty rock. Do I really believe I can trust in him at all times? And do I really believe that I can pour my heart out to him? Sometimes when we don't believe that, it's hard to be in the Bible because it's not always easy because it's like, okay, I don't get this. Now, for some of us, it's like it drives us to be in the Bible, right? But what is it that stops you or stops you or slows you down from being in the Bible? My encouragement is we got a few days till 2016. Maybe think about that if, if it has happened. Or maybe you think about what could it be, maybe, that could stop you. There's two things, two Ps, that I wrote down that I realize affect me, and maybe affect you, and maybe for some of us that have been in the Bible for a long time or done this challenge over and over and over again, maybe we need to take these and look at these and go, man, are these affecting me at all? And these are posture and presence. And like I said earlier, I left a lot of space, and a lot of it's because I just say, ask questions. I actually don't have a lot of statements. I have a lot of questions. So under posture, one of my questions is this. What is our attitude when we're with him? You know, when we're with people, there's a lot of different attitudes we have with people. We're excited. We're angry. We're sad. Sometimes you want to avoid. Sometimes you just don't want to be with. Sometimes you're ready to listen. But what is your attitude when you're with him? You know, I love my son to death. He's six months now. It's crazy. And he loves books. Now, there's a difference between him loving books and me loving books. I love books to read them. He loves books to eat them. And I just, my wife and I just bought him a few new books. And I was super excited about it because there's those touchy-feely ones, right? All the texture because he's in this texture phase right now. He wants to feel everything. And I thought, man, we found the right book for this kid. He's not going to eat it anymore. And here I come with Curious George with all these cool, feely things. And the first thing he does is go, hmm, great book. Right in his mouth. But then also... I open it, and he's like, oh. And he starts to touch it. And he starts to feel it. I told my wife last night, I want to be like my son. Six months old, be an example to a 34-year-old. I want to have that awe of the Bible when I open it, where I'm like, oh. God. Oh, did you just read that? Do you see what he's saying in here? I want to be like that. Which brings me to my next question. What does it look like to be with him? See, a lot of the time with my son isn't as much as like he really understands that we're going to read him a book. It's the fact that Christy and I, my wife, we want to just be with him. 
And he wants to be with us. So what does it look like for you to be with God day in and day out? As I learned from camp in 2008, it looks different for everybody. It looks different for each situation. For me, I started learning how to, when we were singing, to sit down, be quiet, close my eyes, and take in everybody else singing. And then as everybody else sang, I used it as worship for God. I learned to be silent. There's days where I go on walks. Now you can get those MP3s, right, with a guy reading the Bible to you, and you can walk and mow lawn or whatever with these earbuds in and walk around and hear the Bible. There's so many ways, but for some of us, maybe some of the best postures, if we're going to talk about a posture, maybe for some of us it's standing, maybe some of us it's sitting, maybe some of us we need to kneel more in the Bible out of respect. Some of us need to just be relaxed. Some of us need to be probably a little bit more serious. But what is your posture you need when you're with God? There's an article I read that I loved about when it comes to Sunday mornings. And it says this, how absolutely radically different it is when both preacher and people are expecting the living God to speak. The whole situation is transformed. The people bring their Bibles to church. When they open it, they sit on the edge of their seat and they're expecting God to speak. They're hungrily waiting for a word from God. The preacher prepares in such a way that he's expecting God to speak. He prays beforehand in the pulpit that God will even do it. He reads and expounds the text with great seriousness of purpose, and when he's finished, he prays again. In the great stillness, when the message is over, everybody knows that God is present and confronted his people. Now, I love movies, and my wife later today is going to tease me because she's teased me about this, that every time I preach now, uh, I, I reference a movie we just saw. So I'm going to do it again. So we just watched Star Wars, which is an epic movie. Any Star Wars fans? Be honest. You know, you don't have to hide it. We're in church. You know, it's not a bad thing. I'm a nerd. I'll just put it that way when it comes to Star Wars. But God likes to convict me in my most funnest moments. Why? Because I was on the edge of my seat, expectantly awaiting a movie to start. And as the movie was playing, I was expectantly on the edge of my seat, waiting for the next moment, the next scene, and what was going to happen, and what was going to lead to what, and all this stuff. And as I left that theater, God decided to remind me something. He goes, when are you going to start doing that on Sundays more often? I was like, thank you. Just ruined the movie. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But isn't that true, though? I actually tried that a few weeks after I read this to myself uh, in the service. I usually come to 11 o'clock, and I sit over here with the students. And so I sit on edge, but then I started feeling awkward because I'm the only one sitting on the edge of my seat and, like, trying to do this. And I thought maybe the pastor's up here thinking I'm weird because I'm, like, the whole time, you know, and, and trying to listen and be excited. It doesn't have to look like that either, though. The part of that goes back to posture, then presence, and these questions came into my mind when I thought about presence. Do we believe that God is even present? Do we believe God has something to teach us? Do we believe God wants to speak into our lives? And what are you expecting from God? 
See, I realize those four questions can hold me back from being in the Bible every day. Because if I don't believe that God is presence, why go spend time with him? If I don't believe that he's something to teach me, why read it? Because, you know, honestly, what's the point? And what do I expect from God if I have expectations that he's not living out? Does he really love me? And I learn these things. And these things challenge me for the new year. The cool thing is, though, I have a bunch of brothers on staff that don't let me get away with it. And the cool thing, talking to them about some of my struggles with God lately and just being able to be open about it, they've helped me see some truths. And one of the truths that came out recently was that I have a lot of wants, but I'm not realizing that God has met all my needs. You know what happened after that? Change of view of everything. In my Bible, again, ready to be with God, excited to be with God, remembering truths about God. So we're gonna take the rest of this morning and go back to the front of your notes, or now what you wanna call the back of your notes. And there's some cool truths that have been taught over these years. I know not everybody's been able to be at all the Bible challenges we've done. And so I try to pull out some of the, the, the great truths that different guys have tried to teach over the years. So that way, if you haven't been a part of them, you can understand some of the things of our heart here at Cherry Hills. First is this. Become a first-hander and self-feeder. We don't want you just to rely on us. We want you to do it on your own. You can do it on your own at home or wherever. Second, this one, it was big to me because this was the first Bible challenge I was here at Cherry Hills. Pastor Jeff taught this one, but he talked about this. Look to see the whole counsel of God. Read the whole Bible. It was funny, last summer, we were gonna teach the senior high the book of Leviticus, which I know excites a lot of people in life. <laughs> Especially our students. And they were like, yeah, this is going to be an awesome summer. And by the end of the summer, they were like, this was an awesome summer. Why? Because there's truth throughout the whole Bible that we need to know and learn and understand and remember. In every book, God gave us every book for a reason. The next one, staying accountable will keep us on pace. Do you have somebody in your life that can go, hey, how are you doing? Maybe even go through these questions with you. If you haven't been in the Bible, why not? What's, what's holding you back? What's stopping you? Is there something? My wife and I, we've been talking about this, that we're gonna try to do something together in 2016, which I'm really excited about, is we're actually gonna do the Bible together and then talk about it together. The thing I'm excited about that too is I get to learn from her and I get to hear her heart and what she's learning and pray for her better. Then we're gonna take together and take these little Bibles we have for our son and we're gonna read one story every day to our son to stay in the Bible with him every day. And then one of the things I'm gonna do this year, and I'm not doing this to brag, I'm just doing to give you an idea what my 16 is gonna look like because I wanna take this serious myself, is I'm actually gonna take Psalm 62 to you and all year long I'm going to study this thing because there's some reason God has put this on my heart and keeps putting it on my heart and I think it's time I finally take the opportunity to learn what this all is going on you might have a verse you might have a passage God has laid on your heart for a number of years and you haven't really taken the time to say maybe that's this year two years ago I got the privilege to teach here and I taught on this the next note 
Finding our style helps us focus on who we are. After that message, people, a few people were asking me, what is your style? So I'm going to show you my style. Now just be ready for this. It's, it's different. Uh, so I'm going to show you a picture of my style of Psalm 62. I like to graph. I like to chart. That's why it takes me so long on a day. That's why I get frustrated when I don't have time to sit down and do it. But one of the things God is teaching me right now is, hey, just be in it. You don't have to do this every day. So I'm just going to help you be unconfused, maybe. Here's what's big for me. So I wrote and read, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. Two big statements for me. And then it led me to, if you do these things, you're going to find rest in God. And as I'm trying to find rest in God, there's an important factor here, though. I need to depend on him because he's my salvation and honor, which will also help me find rest, which will lead me to I will not be shaken. But then the other part about helping me not be saved is remember these truths about him, that he's my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my refuge. But the other thing that helped me not be shaken is remembering that those things come because he's my hope. He's my hope that he'll be my rock, my salvation, my fortress, refuge. Now, hopefully that made sense. Probably still doesn't, but that's okay. That's for me. But what's your style? What helps you read the Bible? What helps you stay? And so on your notes, I actually wrote out some reading plans and stuff. If you need to take this down or write it or circle it or whatever for 2016, maybe to help you. One of the things I've learned though is once I finally learned my style and worked through these questions of posture and presence, God's really helping me remember who I am to be faithful in that. So for some of us, you might for the first time ever need to read the Bible in a year. Some of us, might need to read the New Testament or the Old Testament this year. Some of us, the book of the Bible. Some of us, a chapter a day. Some of us, a verse a day. Some of us need to be in a devotional book or a Bible study. Some of us don't even like holding a book, so you need an audio Bible. But what is it? What is your style? What do you need to help you this year? Be in the Bible every day. Time of day is important. I know a lot of people, this has helped them. Morning, afternoon, evening, during a meal, you can write down a time if you want. Some people need a time, like a legit time. Some of you, you get up early, and I say it that way on purpose because I'm not up early, and uh, you need 5 a.m. to be your time, so write it down and circle it. If you're like me, 10 a.m. is, or not 10 a.m., 10 p.m. is a better time. So I have to write it down and circle it and say, all right, my style is the graph chart, and 10 p.m. is my time to do it. And then the next question, location, where's your chair? That doesn't have to be a chair. Some people do better lying in bed. Some people do better sitting on the floor. Wherever your spot is to be your location, these things can help if you need help. And then last year, Pastor Brian Wilmarth, who you saw up here earlier, taught an awesome message. And one of the big takeaways was this, your next note. And a way to end this morning. Seeking the Lord through his word changes your life. You know, I talk about posture and presence. We talk about taking it one day at a time. We talk about all these things. Every year we do the Bible challenges because we 100% believe that if you do, it'll change your life. I know it has for me. And my prayer is it will for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today and this time. 
And God, I don't know where everybody's at with the Bible challenge. I don't know how many have ever heard it before or ever been challenged before. I don't know how many have been faithful for many, many years. But if nothing else, God, just keep using this time as a reminder to do it and maybe some new ways to think about it. Or maybe just some questions to ask to keep us doing it. So thank you for this time and this morning. In your name, amen.